Hey, good morning. I like to imagine what time of day, listeners, this is you, access uh, these separate tracks. And this track will begin in the morning because that's a good time to do your laundry. Laundry machines are interesting pieces of technology. On the face of it, they're pretty stupid machines, or should be. You know, you look at a laundry machine and its history, it started really with a washboard and uh, a human <laughs> to push the, uh, the clothing uh, in a bucket. But they've evolved into being computers, and so have dishwashers, and pretty much anything in the house, even toasters, uh, pretty much every single appliance that you have in the house has a small computer in it if it's been made in the last 10 or 15 years. And these little computers are far less robust than their ancestors. You know, you could buy a dishwasher that didn't have any kind of sensor on it that just ran on a cycle, you know. And those things can last decades versus their new improved children which have sensors and those sensors tend to die in about five or ten years and so the life of these really heavy machines is much shorter than you think you know you look at it and especially if you have a historic memory of how long an appliance lasts something in your family you know like your parents might have had a dishwasher that lasted you know 20 30 years the same sorts of appliances die much quicker for much stupider and cheaper reasons. And so one thing I wanted to mention today is that a lot of those stupider reasons are the cards or circuit boards and the variety of electronics inside those things. You can sell those things. If you ever have an appliance die in your house, there's a lot of the appliance that you can sell. You can sell those things in a uh, aftermarket or a third market like eBay or something. You can sell those things. You can sell those things. Because the repair person himself or themselves or herself are probably looking for a part on eBay. That happens a lot with power supplies, especially. You can sell those things. Other people, you know, have kids who slam into the dishwasher and break the door or something or just the panel breaks or cracks and they just want a replacement that is an aesthetic improvement and you can sell those things you can sell those pieces they separate from the unit pretty easily aesthetic parts are really a great way to sell as well because the aesthetic part doesn't need to especially work you know if you have just a replacement panel you know it works you know it just looks like a panel it is a panel and you can sell those things and so i wanted to describe a process that I've done to pretty much fill my room up with synthesizers just on the lottery of another appliance in the house breaking and it's a pretty good method and it's not as silly as you think too the funniest story I have is our laundry machine which broke and the things I sold out of the laundry machine that ultimately bought us a new laundry machine and about 2,500 extra dollars for that same laundry machine. And it's a good case study in terms of what you can do to keep things out of the landfill too, because most of this stuff, if somebody's actually looking for a part, they're gonna make use of it. 
They're not going to, you know, pay like $400 for a part and then throw it away. What happened with me is our clothes washer died. The same thing could happen with a dishwasher. It's more fun to say a dishwasher becomes a room of synthesizers than a clothes washer. I like the word dishwasher. I guess laundry machine is a better word. But here's my story on uh, how to turn any broken appliance into profit. And it's a tutorial as much as it is a idea, I guess. Just a bunch of ideas. And it keeps stuff out of the landfill. And it's kind of a fun game. It takes about a year to turn a clothes washer into a room of synthesizers. But that can be a pretty fun year, too, because just seeing what people will pay for. And, you know, one example is uh, $20 for the rubber feet. You know, the little nubs at the bottom of a dishwasher. Somebody's looking for those rubber feet. And that's just literally the very beginning of the dishwasher, the ground floor of the dishwasher, or the ground floor of the laundry machine, clothes washer, laundry machine, clothes washer, dishwasher, dishwasher, dishwasher. You get it. Some of these tricks will not work for you too. And so I like to uh, apply a rule to this. And I don't want you to listen to this, these instructions and go out and look for salvage appliances because that will turn you into Fred Sanford. Uh, and it's also, the more, the more is not the merrier. The more uh, appliances you acquire, you just become sort of a junk house, you know, or a hoarder. So the rule is to only work with what you have. Only work with appliances that you have known, that know you. If your appliance doesn't know you, if the appliance doesn't know you, don't tear it apart. This is the end stage for your relationship with the appliance. You have nurtured a relationship with the appliance. You've used it. You've given it a sense of pride and utility. And now you are parting ways with one another. And you are going to do it in the most honorable way possible. And so now I'm going to tell you how to turn a broken $700 clothes washer into $2,500 worth of synthesizers and a fresh new $700 clothes washer. And again, for this to work, this needs to be your broken appliance. So I have done this with a number of broken things because as I said in the introduction, nothing is built to last anymore. Except for synthesizers. Synthesizers are built great and that's why you want to convert all those garbage appliances into synthesizers. Those are something that are built to last. I have a sense about the future too. The uh, the moon might be uh, not the most ideal place to colonize, and certainly Mars is a miserable idea to live on. But I'm rather certain that both will end up being landfills for our garbage. The math on large appliances and waste just makes no sense to keep making and junking on the same planet. And my future forecast on garbage is the moon will be a staging area for our trash with Mars receiving regular cannon shots of garbage from there. They'll just shoot out packages to you know, drop into Mars. And if they miss, it'll just be out in space. But to focus on the clothes washer, about five or 10 years ago, we bought a new washer. Washer, washer. My first washer that I'd gotten out of college had broken, finally, and I'm, saying that we got, you know, probably 
15 years out of that washer. Washer. I didn't know then that I could convert it into a synthesizer, the first washer that I broke. But we were happy about a new washer. And the new washer was new technology compared to the old washer. It was our first high efficiency model. Washer, meaning that it only used as much water as needed. And to do this, it had a sensor to identify the amount of clothes and a variable spin, a locking lid, and all this great new stuff. I didn't ask, I didn't ask, I didn't ask for any of this new stuff. And I'll also admit to falling for the gimmick on all this. I enjoyed the idea of an improved washer through technology. Now, of course, with hindsight, I see every feature that I just listed as a flaw. My previous thumb washer also had a sensor to identify the amount of clothes. It's called my eyes and a dial for water level. And it didn't need a locking lid. I just knew not to open it when running. I mention all of these things because every single one of those features are things that can break because they are all either separate computers or latches or some sort of new technology built into your appliance. And ultimately one of them will break because very often they're plastic parts too. If it's a latch, it cracks me up. I had a plastic latch on our Volkswagen. I'm one of many Jews who have bought many Volkswagens. <laughs> uh, complicated uh, psychology there. But anyway, I laughed at the fact that to access our Volkswagen, there was a, uh, a plastic latch when you would pull the hood. And that's probably the one thing you need to be a metal latch on the whole thing is uh, the, to access the damn engine. That's plastic. Every time you use a plastic anything, it becomes a little bit weaker every single time. It might be that it never fails, but if it's on a point of tension, that little weaker, that little weaker, that little weaker, that little weaker, whatever, eventually it'll snap if it's not installed perfectly. And humans tend to install these plastic latches, so plastic hood latch will break. Ours broke and the replacement was $600. I refused to do the repair and had to cut my hand nearly every time I had to open up the hood because I had to stick my finger under uh, underneath the, <laughs> the hood and the latch and grab the, the shard that would connect with the plastic piece. I have to pull that manually. Could have lost my fingers, but I didn't want to spend $600 for the damn part. Now I, in hindsight, would, uh, have, would just look on uh, aftermarket for that part and buy it from somebody who maybe took their plastic piece of shit hood latch off the car when they turned it into the dealer and sold it for a couple hundred bucks. Everybody wins. $200 discount on a crappy made idea. I mentioned all these things break because ultimately one of them does break. And in our instance, it turned out to be a mechanical part that failed on the new washer. This was caused by an assurance of the washer being able to auto-correct when it had an uneven load. And we foolishly believed the manual that came with the washer, that the washer would simply stop and reset itself if heavy sheets became uneven. And a few times in the life of the washer, we actually heard some terribly violent banging while the ba uh, washer was spinning. 
Now, if this was a dumb washer, we would just stop the cycle, open the lid, and realign the bundle of fabric to be level, and the banging would stop. But the new, smarter washer had a locking lid that prevented us from being able to even do that. If uh, the cycle was going, the lid was locking, and it insisted to us that it could fix itself. And eventually, after some moving around the sheets, it would reset. And lo and behold, look at that. That was progress. But about five or 10 years into the life of this smart washer, we received an error code. And I also wanna say I love error codes. I mean E-R-R-O-R -R -R codes, not air, A-I-R, or codes. Error codes, the uh, description of something going wrong. And with an error code, it is now possible to be your own technician. You get an error code and you can look it up on the internet. And I love to look up those things. Servicemen must hate how easily it is for someone to diagnose their appliances and diagnose them incorrectly too, because uh, sometimes the error codes are wrong. Uh, it used to be that service manuals would be something that you would have to buy uh, and maybe even have to have a license to buy. But now the service manuals are up there with the operating manuals uh, or the user manuals. So I was able to find the service manual and the error code on our washer, which was no longer working. It just blinked on the LED dial that it was F51 or something very close. And I looked it up and I was able to find out that it indicated a dirty or faulty sensor. I'll tell you about that. I ended up cleaning out the sensor and everything and it wasn't the sensor, it was the bearing. But anyway, my favorite uh, error code system is also incidentally on air conditioners and many uh, HVACs, uh, which is both heating and air conditioning, but also AC units have a single blinking LED light for managing problems. And I kind of like that. It's like a little tiny little HAL, tiny little HAL eyeball that just blinks, uh, blinks problems to you. Inside a HVAC is a computer and a sensor system that keeps a lot of information together, but it communicates with the world with just a small LED. The AC unit will often blink Morse code in a set of blinks with pauses. If the AC unit had some error, uh, number 51, it would simply loop a set of five blinks paused by one blink paused by five blinks paused by one blink and often uh, to be helpful it would be an identical error code for either one five or five one it would be the same error but the broken washer was smarter than our working air conditioner it didn't blink out a code it had a smart display with an led and i found out the error code meant that it was a faulty sensor this began my journey into salvaging parts, incidentally. You can sell those things. I found a video for the problem. It described the sensor located on the bottom of the extremely heavy appliance. And we have kind of a narrow hallway where the washer is positioned. And so to get access to the sensor, which is built right on the bottom of the damn washer, you'd think they could put just a door right there that you could open, you know, uh, like a broiler pan. On, a, on an oven, you know, you can pull that out. That's what they should do with these damn sensors that are built on the bottom of a, of a washer, which would even benefit the, uh, the technician. But I had to flip the thing on the bottom and I found on YouTube, of course, most Air 51s on this model would be alleviated if I flipped the washer over and removed out a coil and on the coil that works the motor, 
a large magnetic coil, the sensor that was uh, causing us problems could be cleaned or evaluated. And obviously if it was totally burnt out, it would, it would show a lot of uh, like burn on it. Um, I was warned in the YouTube video that I found at that point that both the sensor and the coil were extremely expensive and to be very careful when I was doing this. And incidentally, at this point, I was warned that all these things cost more than the actual washer, which got me started to think uh, what I'm talking to you about right now. How is it that the washer is more expensive than the parts separately? And this got me thinking about all the separate parts inside. And all of those you can carefully sell to get $2,500 worth of synthesizers. By the way, the uh, copper coil I'm describing is a giant direct drive magnet, and it's pretty fun to look at. It looks like a small little uh, nuclear power company, <laughs> a little, you know, little generator. It's the same belt-free operation you find, in theory, uh, with a direct drive turntable. It's a giant direct drive magnet that spins your modern washer. And your modern washer is basically a record player. You know, it, it used to either work with a belt the same way that uh, a washer works with the, uh, the same way a turntable worked with a belt, or your modern turntable that you can back, you can uh, move the record back and forth, left, and, you know, forward and backward without any uh, error. That's a direct drive turntable. And we have direct drive washers. And it is so smart, your direct drive washer, that it delivers an error that you can't even bypass the error, even if it means a dirty sensor that you verified is clean, even, sorry, even if the sensor error message says that the, nah, man, really getting into the weeds here. Had a uh, crazy few weeks. I, I got my uh, COVID shot, and that thing knocked me out for a few days. My second shot. Uh, I feel some obligation to tell so tell that in the show. I was actually wondering if I should even talk about that. But uh, yeah, I got my second COVID shot. Just the show is partly a journal. Uh, I encourage everybody to get a second shot, and it flattened me, and that was, in an optimistic sense, proof of it working. <laughs> I lost a few days on that. And now I'm trying to tell you about uh, washer dryers. Um, a half a day's labor, reassembling the washer, by the way, did not fix it. So I pulled the uh, sensor out and the coil and did everything I saw on YouTube, and we still got the same error code, and that meant the inevitable service call. And we have a couple technicians we trust, and the visit was $100. And the guy visited was in a nicely delivered bad mood when he showed up. And he flipped the washer onto its back once again. And it wasn't the sensor, he said. It was the bearing. This is a mechanical part. And if you remember my comment about the uneven loads that we could not even fix ourselves due to the washer being locked. It had a computer-based locked lid. And we would hear this banging and it was still working on it and that was what broke the bearing. It's partly how it's designed, he said. The repairman. And he told us that we should never really trust it to handle heavy fabrics. 
Lesson learned. Our dumb uh, washer could handle heavy fabrics easy. But I actually remember not trusting the machine when it started clanging around. Nor do I want to think we, nor do I want you to think that we regularly clean a city of bedsheets. We do not clean a city's worth of bedsheets. This was just blankets, just blankets or something, maybe towels. And there was a heavy blanket setting on the damn thing by its, uh, you know, for damn sake, there was a heavy blanket setting. So you'd think that you could take the heavy blankets, but anyway, it clanged, a it clanged around a bit and then it reset itself. And over time, this feature of the new washer is what broke the bearing on the machine itself. And the technician suggested that it's actually the manufacturing and that the humans didn't tighten the bolt enough in assembly. This was long past the warranty that the bearing finally broke and the fix would have cost more than a new machine. I asked the technician if anything else was broken and he said, no, it was uh, just the bearing. And he looked at the other parts of the machine and told us actually everything looks new uh, regarding other parts inside. And so now with the very long introduction, uh, which I hope was somewhat entertaining, we get to the point of where it gets fun because we ordered a new replacement washer. And the person on the phone asked if we wanted to have them take the old washer away. And this was the germ of my idea to <laughs> instead profit instead of pay because I figured at the time that it made sense for them to take away the old washer. And he told me over the phone, that will be a $30 fee. And that also somewhat made sense to me because it felt like labor, but I asked what did they do to the broken washer? And I'm not sure he was supposed to tell me this over the phone, but he goes, oh, they auction it. They auction the old washers. And then I suddenly felt very wronged for paying for them to take the washer away from me because they're going to sell it. And it just seemed like a way for them to double profit. You know, sell them, the, sell you the washer, allow it to break, then sell the washer again through auctioning and charge me 30 bucks to take it away. It just seemed like a, a lot of profit there for selling me something that uh, didn't, uh, didn't last as designed. It was at that point that I thought back to the copper coil and sensor and I decided to look up both prices on those parts. And this was easy to do with eBay. You could also look up just the uh, manufacturer price on these things, and they were hundreds of dollars. But eBay will actually give you a seller's market value, and you just look up a model number for both the sensor or the part, along with the washer name and maybe the washer model number, and click sold or completed sales. And it was there that I saw suddenly numerous sales for these same parts, many indicated as being removed from a broken machine, incidentally and these parts going for hundreds of combined dollars. Just the copper coil and the sensor itself could almost buy half of a washer. And I was about to pay somebody 30 bucks to take it away. I figured that I could undercut any offer for a used part and make a lot of money. And any, so basically whatever was the top price for something, I would drop it by like 10 or 15% for mine and any loss would be zero as the washer was already here on site and broken. And so I asked the guy on the phone, hey, can I pay, uh, get a $30 pickup for the old washer later, I asked. And he said, yeah, we'll do that. He agreed. 
So I checked with my wife and she agreed to keep the old washer in the garage as I began a bit of a salvaging task. And over the next year, I was uh, curious how much money I could get from carefully disassembling the washer and selling it off part by part. So before I mention how to do this, I should give you some clear selling instructions. I don't want the whole uh, aftermarket used uh, dishwasher or clothing washer market to be glutted with a bunch of bad stuff. You want to always clearly label things. You want to always describe that it came from a broken thing. And that might seem counterintuitive, but people will often buy something with an honest story attached to it. Even something like, didn't even test it. Saying untested is a really good thing to say. So don't sell anything without explicitly stating it might be broken, unless you can certainly say it is not. So just list everything as for parts or repair if you want to go uh, the safest route. The beginning of this, by the way, did not start with a clothes washer. How's this for a convoluted story? But the beginning started with a small flat screen TV. I picked up a nice model that I mounted onto my wall and it arrived with two small plastic feet. I didn't need the feet. I looked up the cost on replacement feet and found them to be 35 to $50 for those replacement feet. I had no use for these feet, so I sold them, still in their bag. I sold them for $20 or $10 a foot. My feet sold in a week from a grateful buyer who had lost their feet, and they bought it. Remote controls on these things go for a lot of money, too. A lot of times you have a remote control that does all the functions. You don't need that extra remote. I bought the TV for $150. And I immediately turned around and sold its feet and its remote, and I made 40 bucks of it back immediately. A lot of people put those feet and the remote in a drawer when they buy the TV. Depending on the TV, some parts of the television might be sellable as well. Perhaps that TV broke and you're just replacing it. The AV card inside or the, the part that connects the HDMI to the uh, RCA and a bunch of other stuff, a lot of times that card itself is removable, easily unsolderable. You can get like 35 bucks for that card, things like that. But getting back to our clothes washer, I had the space in the garage and I started to disassemble it. A lot of the washer was like a large Lego set and there were a few pieces I knew worked. The front panel and the lid, for example. The top panel is a small computer and a pretty quick sell at $200. It's really easy to just pull out, you know, as almost a front console, it comes out easy. I listed it, indicated the washer having a broken bearing, but that the panel had no issues. New panel lists for $325, so that was an easy sale at about, I don't know, 200 bucks. The lid was 150. That's just a mechanical lid and a very easy sell. It was a glass lid and clear of any defects or cracks. And in both of these instances, I cleaned them with rubbing alcohol and a toothbrush inside the cracks and made them as uh, new looking as possible. So there is a lot of effort here to get your money back on the broken washer, but it becomes a game. You have to view it as a game. And I was starting to see a reality too. I was going to make more on the broken washer than the new washer would cost. And I was gonna keep that washer out of the landfill. So getting back to that broken clothes washer. I had the uh, space in the garage and I started to disassemble it. 
A lot of the washer was like a large Lego set. It was surprising how easy it was to disassemble. There were a couple screws that held pretty much everything together. And once you removed four or five screws, you could just pull the washer apart. All just sort of uh, was molded uh, sheet metal that would kind of uh, lock into place with one another. The biggest burden on selling any of this stuff is actually the shipping of the materials. And that's going to be a lot of your time, is making sure that you don't sell something that arrives broken. And so if you have no experience with this, you want to get pretty good at double boxing things and anticipating the weight of something. You should always assume, no matter how well you, you pack somebody, that somebody else is going to toss the package in the air. That's the worst case scenario, but that's what you want to kind of ship something to expect. And so if you're shipping class, you want to be very careful to double box it. And for the lid, which was glass, I took about two hours to build a flat box, which I then taped around the lid and then built another box to fill with stuffing to hold the box that held the lid. And the effort on that paid off as I received feedback stating great care in my shipping, particularly with a glass item. And then you get the gold standard for selling any of this junk. The quoted item exactly as described, trusted seller. And once you get a couple of those, you get more sales. Simple. I'm describing uh, really selling things to get money in a, uh, an account to buy more synthesizers. <laughs> So it's not really a magic trick. It's the oldest uh, trick in the world, sell to buy. But uh, it becomes pretty fun if you uh, view it as a game because you are kind of doing a unique thing. You are taking garbage that would be destroyed and uh, packed into the earth and you're making money out of it. And uh, as long as, you know, it's not a lot of money, but it's uh, more money than you spent. You know, the, uh, the washer is uh, 600 bucks and you've already made half of it back just on the lid and the panel. It can be fun to view everything in your house in this way, too. Because we throw too much stuff out. You should learn the acronym, OEM, also, for anything that you are selling that belonged to the actual thing. So, OEM stands for Original Equipment Manufacturer. And this would mean, for example, if it was a Maytag part, that the original part on that Maytag was an OEM Maytag part. It's not an aftermarket clone or a knockoff. Some people actually narrow their search to OEM in the listing, so be sure to include OEM in the title. Also, repairmen are just as interested in buying these parts from you and they and that they can make money getting replacement parts for as cheap as possible and they often just keep a drawer full of switches knobs wires you name it so when you're done selling all your pieces if there are remaining knobs and wires and switches sell those as well and you'll be surprised to find if you've labeled it correctly a uh, buyer for that weird small esoteric item that belonged to your washer. If you can group items into a set, do so and sell those as well, and you will have a free synthesizer in no time. To sell a complete washer it takes about a year to get all the parts distributed and parted out. 
If you're looking just for like a real quick sell, just to uh, cut your washer in half in terms of price, really, if your washer breaks, you can stop right there and just make money with just the top two items, the lid and the front panel. If you're looking at a dishwasher, you can, the lid is not really the choice, but I would sell uh, the, the, the metal parts of the, of the dishwasher, the actual racks, the uh, utensil holder, other things like that. I'm sure there is, a, there is a market for them. Because kids are also always breaking these things. So I would just disassemble all the things that a kid could break and see if you can get a buyer for it. You'll likely be able to derive $300 from any appliance, and that's a free Euro rack module. But I wanted a full synthesizer, and that meant getting all the money possible out of my broken washer, my clothing washer, my clothes washer. And I saw so many other things that could be sold. I mentioned repairmen uh, looking for items to keep in a drawer. And I noticed the screws on all this stuff on the washer were a little unusual, a little factory made in their appearance. So I unscrewed everything. And I listed a screw set for the washer indicating it was every screw on its exterior. I sold that for $20. There were no belts inside, but if so, that's always a good money maker. Even a worn belt can be bought, as long as you indicate it as a used belt. For the sensors, of which there were many, I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure if they were broken or busted or what life was left in them, so I listed them as auctions indicating no knowledge of how to test any of them, but listed good photos and listed what went wrong with the washer itself and its age. I cleaned the PC board separately with rubbing alcohol, and I was even curious about the chips. Some of the components themselves were prized, and this year after the pandemic, components are even rarer in some cases than before. And I was surprised to see an auction for some of these boards listed at $10 go for $40 or $65 a piece. I was starting to get a lot of synthesizer money from all this. You can always compare these prices to what the manufacturer lists for a replacement too. You always have a, a ceiling of how much they actually cost because this pretty much every part of the washer is for sale from the manufacturer. Uh, through their parts division and it can be kind of funny to add up what it would cost to build your own washer from these parts It would cost about four thousand dollars to build your own washer part by part <laughs> If you were just to go through their website uh, For like a six hundred dollar washer by the time that I had sold the lid the front panel the screws the sensors the PCBs I'd made well over a thousand dollars and I still had a lot of broken clothes washer left, including the housing itself. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, well, I can't clearly sell a washer housing. How can I ship that? But I had a friend with some metalworking tools and we both sort of noticed that dry erase pens work really well on these, uh, these washer uh, panels. In fact, they were kind of like perfect for whiteboards and there are a bunch of annoying companies that are always trying to freshen up their meeting rooms with with hip stuff 
so why not make them hip whiteboards that we would sell on Etsy. So each side of the washing machine was broken into two separate ornate whiteboards. Uh, I would have uh, gone wider but had to ship them so it was easier to just cut the side of a whiteboard into two halves for ease of shipping. And they have a porcelain coat that makes them perfect as a whiteboard, you know. And we cut them into ornate shapes, sort of a, sort of like a weird trapezoid or a wavy shape. I can't really remember. But they sold quick and uh, sold them at $85 a piece. So that was about $600 after selling fees for taking apart uh, the actual housing of the washer itself, which was the, the front, the back, the left, and the right. And our $600 broken washer was up to $1,500 in, synth in synthesizer money. And this is the same washer that we were going to sell. Uh, we were going to pay $30 to be taken away and auctioned off. I was really getting into this game. Once you've sold all the electronic pieces of a washer and turned its paneling into whiteboards, the washer becomes much more honest. It sits there as a sort of skeleton. There are rubber feet that are easy to sell as a set, as described to the, uh, to the repairman or just to whomever I might break the rubber feet in uh, moving it around. Then there is the plastic basket inside, along with the activator or other hardware. And you'll hit $2,000 in no time, really, for a lot of these uh, hardware pieces. And by that point, you're approaching some really good, nice synthesizer cash. After selling the washer, I developed a mantra that anything that breaks can be sold. And I like to do this for anything that breaks in the house. Again, I do not go out looking for stuff to sell. I just reasonably wait for something to break in the house and then take it apart when it does die and I sell it that way. Sometimes they, uh, it's a complete loss. There is nothing redeemable in that product to sell. But other things, you have no idea what's in there. This is all a good, non-polluting way to keep parts out of our uh, landfills and kept in the ecosystem, too. There's no reason to throw an entire washing machine out because of a single broken bearing. And that bearing, once removed, can be sold as a paperweight, too. <laughs> can be sold as a paperweight. But mostly I want to encourage you to part out your appliances piece by piece before it's sold back to the big box store when they deliver a new one. These new appliances are designed to break down and it's to your benefit to get in on the racket and get your part of it with a free synthesizer. In the end, we uh, got a new washer and a lot of money, cash, for the old one. I'm excited for our odds in the next few years as this new one will break too, because nothing is built to last at all. It's just built to blink when you get it and you like its new blink. It's like, look at that, the new washer blinks neat. It'll be dead in five or 10 years. Wait for stuff to break and have fun turning those broken appliances into synthesizer cash. That is our advice for the week. And we now have a double bill of Charlie Pickle for you. Brain water 
describing the exciting rain runoffs of Clarence, Texas, and then a viewer's guide for television's greatest show to ever air other experiences. This is Spoken Word with Electronics. You're listening to episode 53, and if you followed our instructions, you now have a brand new room with synthesizers brought to you by one single broken clothes washer. Check your part numbers and list your OEMs. Here's Brainwater, and we'll talk to you in two weeks.